Um, my name is Adam. I'm the pastor of this joint, and I couldn't be happier that you're here today. Um, we're in a series, and I'm actually finishing it. Three parts, three preachers. How about that? And so um, I'm, uh, we're preaching a series called Jesus Never Said. Things Jesus Never Said. And uh, so I want to open up with some things that Jesus has never said. He didn't say, uh, blessed are those that dressed up for church this morning. Uh, you will always have the best parking spots. No, he didn't say that. Uh, he didn't say, uh, come follow me and your kids won't fight on the way to church. Whose kids fought on the way to church? Which husband and wives in here fought on the way to church? This is why Danielle and I drive separately to church and we make our kids drive in a third car to church. And so if Benjamin and Hope fight on the way to church... Not our problem. And, uh, and so, uh, so if, if they're too violent in the car, hopefully a cop will pull them over or something like that. But we are, we are getting to church in one piece. Um, and then uh, how about this? When you gather in my name, have a picnic feast. He never said that, but we are going to have a picnic feast today. I hope you're coming out and hanging out with us. Uh, they're swimming at the, uh, at the pond and, um, and fishing, and we're going to have, did I mention food? Uh, we're going to have food, and, and we're going to have some fun, some cornhole. so come. Uh, we're going to just play and have a good time. That little three minutes where you guys don't shut up, like where you guys love to talk to every person in the place, you can do that for like four hours today, so come on out. Does anybody in this room ever battle with guilt? Every hand up, you're either, you either battle with guilt or you're lying about not battling with, and we've talked about lying, okay? Uh, battle with guilt. Let's see. Let's start with uh, some things. Um, we don't want to get it wrong. I worry about how I say things. I worry about how I post things. I wish more people would worry about how they say things and post things. Um, but I'll feel guilty about set about what I said or, or what I didn't say, um, what I didn't do, what I, what, I, uh, what I have done, where I've been, uh, you know, I, I, well, I can't be here, I can't be in two places. Has anybody ever felt guilty about eating a donut? Never. Andrew is fully set free on his donut. He is also very tall and very skinny, and yes, we all hate him because he can eat donuts and not feel guilty. Donuts like it's, they're like mosquitoes to me. Like, they'll just jump out of Donut World at Lancaster. If I'm within a 10-mile radius of Lancaster, I am attacked by Donut World. Somehow, a dozen ends up in my car, and I have to taste them before they get home. I now have to buy three of their apple fritters just to protect my two, because now everybody likes anyways. I feel guilty sometimes after what I eat, and a lot of people deal with this. It's actually like the number one guilty thing that... that we all deal with. Like, we feel bad about it because we know we should be eating kale and, and almond milk. And, and, and I want donuts, you know, and cheeseburgers and hot wings. Thank you, Jesus, for hot wings. How about Christian guilt? Huh. Let's see. I, I don't think I gave enough. I don't think I shared my faith enough. I don't, I, mean, I didn't make it to church last Sunday. And, and, uh, I, I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I'm, I, I, you know, Pastor Adam dresses like a slob some Sundays, but I feel guilty dressing like a slob on Sundays. And, and uh, I feel guilty about this. I feel guilty about that. Mom guilt. I'm married to a mom, and so I, I hear this. Uh, the mom guilt goes like this. 
I, I, I could, like, I, I haven't done enough. Like, school is starting Thursday. I haven't bought enough supplies. They need more pencils. Like, they're not ready. I, you know, like, there's this guilt. And then, so we got an opportunity to go to a pastor's retreat. And, like, we have giant children now. Like, I have this man-child that walks around my house and talks like this. And yet, Danielle still feels, we still feel guilty. I say we. I'm, she still feels guilty over leaving the kids for, like, 48 hours, right? Like, we, fill, we, we filled their bowls to overheaping, just like pets. Like, like we, left, we left the air on. Like, I mean, it's, they're going to be okay. Mom guilt. We all don't want to let people down. Uh, we have a hard time saying no. Uh, then we feel guilty when we say yes to one too many things. Uh, we feel guilty when we leave. The, we feel guilty if we don't have a dog for our kids. Then we feel guilty when we have a dog that we're leaving at home all day. And I, guilt, 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 and more guilt. Do you ever feel guilty when you succeed? You like you really knock one out of the park, and you're like. Ooh, I don't want to, I don't want to brag here. Like, I don't want to. You feel guilty over, oh, I, I'm so excited about this new car, and then you feel guilty over having a new car, you know? Or you feel guilty when you fail. We feel guilty when we succeed. We feel guilty when we work too hard. We feel guilty when we take time off. Am I just? Is this just me? No, this is what we feel. And here's the deal. Guess what? Pastors feel guilty too. It's like, did I give enough? Am I available enough? Did, you know, if I, if I spent one more time with the, you know, one more bit of time with this person, maybe they'd be in better shape. And, and, and you can quickly just trick your, deceive yourself into thinking that you're some sort of savior instead of Jesus, who you're just here to point people to. But sure, I feel guilty. And here's the issue with all of those things I just mentioned. That's the small stuff. Because how do you feel about your actual mistakes in life? How do you feel about the times where you've actually sinned or sins you're struggling with? Well, forget leaving the dog for eight hours. You feel shame attached to sin. And this thing just lays in on your life like this heavy blanket just suffocating you. And you're like, I just can't win. I wake up in the negative column. Like, this thing is owning my life. And so this is this, is this thing that cycles through our life. I'm going to talk to you guys through a big chunk of Luke chapter 23 today. And Luke chapter 23 is one of the store, one of the it's Luke's version of, of the last hours of Jesus' life. So it's talking about the crucifixion, and it is intense stuff. And usually we're at this, usually we're going through this around Easter. But it's good to be reminded. So in, in Luke 23, we're describing the last hours of Jesus' life. Now, we all know that a, a, a core of our faith, the core of our faith, is that God would send his perfect son to die in our place. We understand, and, and, and if you're new to church, then we fully believe that Jesus was perfect. There was no sin on him, and yet he was on a cross and died. That's how he could die in our place. How many other crosses were up that day? Two more. 
Yeah, we're familiar. If you've ever seen, maybe you are new to church and you see a picture of Easter time or whatever, you see graphics used and you always see three crosses. And there's even like church groups down in the south especially. You'll go through so many, like every so many exits or whatever. You'll see another group of three crosses up on one of the big hills or something. I just love that. And of course, there's one out in front of the other two. There's two more. And in Luke uh, 23, 32, and 33, we hear about this. There were two more crosses that day. So I'm going to go to Luke 23, and I'm going to start with 32 and 33. It says, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Crucifixion was the one way of doing the death penalty, but it was reserved for the worst of the worst. This wasn't just out of convenience or it wasn't just even the widespread. They did kill many that way, but it was, it was reserved for the people that they wanted to make the biggest display of when they were executed. And so it could have been traitors against Rome at the time, uh, somebody who was a serial killer, serial rapist. I mean, you, they would take the worst of the worst, and then they would publicly kill them in the worst possible way. So there was no, like, ABC, like, it was, this was left for the worst. This was the most horrible form of death, and we'll talk about this just a little bit, both physically and spiritually. What you have to understand, or what, or what, I'm hoping you understand is that in, within the Jewish culture, it was considered a curse to die on a tree. So you have this extra weight of not only the physical destruction of the body and watching him, the, the death in the most humiliating of ways, but then you also have a spiritual humiliation of, of basically cursing that person spiritually as well. And so Jesus is hanging up there, and, and crucifixion would have gone like this. It mentions that he was scourged first, that he was whipped. This was basically to the point of where they would leave you mostly dead, to quote the princess bride. Like, you would be almost there. Like, you're, you're within inches of your life, and, and some people didn't even survive that. Okay? So, so that's the case. And then it, it talks about him carrying his own cross. So you have been beaten now. And even within the scriptures, it talks about him getting punched and, and just, you know, all kinds of abuse along the way. People were taking their shots at him. But crucifixion in general, so he would have been stripped. We're nice and polite with our pictures of the crucifixion, and we usually leave Jesus a nice little mini toga uh, in our representations of, of the uh, cross. Most people understand that he would have likely to have been completely naked on the cross. And so he would have been stripped. So it's just layers and layers of humiliation, right? The nails went through the body, and then you were hanging from the wrist, and then you, were, you had a little, uh, your, your, your feet were, were on the other one down below. And the problem was is that you would hang, and so you would actually end up dying of asphyxia. I can't say it. You would, exactly, you couldn't breathe. So to catch your breath, 
you would have to pull up on the spikes to be able to open up your airway to take in more air, and then you would go back down to asphyxiation. Ah, didn't think I could do that. And then this would repeat cyclically until you would run out of energy to go up for another breath. You could go through this, depending on your physical strength on the front end or just how stubborn a person was, this could take days to go all the way through. And the story of, of Easter is that this ran right into a Sabbath day, and so they wanted to make sure that the bodies were not, like they wanted to take care of the bodies. And so it talks about the Roman soldiers going through and breaking their legs so that they couldn't push up and get more breath. Is anybody ready for lunch yet? Like, this is, this is bad. As people gathered around, they were mocking at Jesus. They're mocking him. They were cursing at him and even spitting at him while he was on the cross. Now, keep in mind that we've got thief number one, or criminal number one, and criminal number two next to him. We don't know what their crimes were, but for them to be up there on that day being, getting all of the same treatment that Jesus received, they had been condemned for some pretty serious crimes. The point of all that is that for, for that horrific of a sentence to be carried out meant that these people were seen as undeniably 100% guilty of very terrible things. And so as much as I don't want somebody to die, I, I really don't, I understand people paying the penalty for crimes against people. Like, I, I, I don't mind. You know, like, it's like I, I understand the concept of somebody. And so nobody had a problem in the crowd of criminal one and criminal two dying that day because they believed that they were guilty of very terrible things. Jesus says something, and, and maybe you've heard this before being in church on an Easter Sunday or whatever, but it says that Jesus prays for the group, for the crowd, while he's there on the cross, and he says something like this, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This provokes a comment from criminal number one. Let's go to Luke 23, 39. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. Uh, can, can he die first, please? Like, is he really trusting in God? Does he really believe that Jesus could save him? 100% no. You can hear the sarcasm. We speak sarcasm as a second language in my house, so I, I, I understand sarcasm. We speak Seinfeld, you know, it's like we understand sarcasm. This guy is 100% not believing in Jesus. So you're the Messiah, are you? Well, how about you hop on down and take us with you and let's go get lunch? 
and some band-aids probably first but let's go <laughs> let's go you hear arrogance you hear pride you hear no fear of God and you hear no understanding of a need for a savior he needs a savior but he's not there yet and the problem is he's out of time listen to verses 40 and 41 but the other criminal protested don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die like this is a good time we deserve to die for our crimes keyword there's deserve we deserve to die for our crimes but this man hasn't done anything wrong help me finish these phrases what goes around man you guys are on it your past will come back to you guys learn these too you make your bed you gotta was this a class like did we all sign up for this we all we know these statements because it's ingrained to us from birth that there is a penalty coming for your guilt now when somebody tells you something like that are they being nice if you tell somebody and i've told somebody my children maybe or others you well you made your bed I mean, you can hear the smugness. Well, you made your bed. You got to lie in it. What goes around comes around. Actually, we usually say that behind somebody's back when we're watching them deal with the consequences of their stupidity. And what goes around comes around. I could have I I called that. Right? Your past will come. Oh, it's, your past is going to come. We don't say this nicely. Why? because we really don't mind and if we're being honest we really hope that a lot of people get what's coming to them think about now here's another thing this is a george this is an old george carlin joke comedian everybody that drives faster than you is a maniac and everybody that drives slower than you is a moron like you drive the perfect speed I think 10 over is just the perfect speed. I think, I think people that drive exactly the speed limit need to stay home, check their pulse, sell their car, get a bus pass. And for anybody that drives slower than the speed limit, like, I hate you. Like, you, you, you've got problems. And then I think I drive pretty quick, so then when I see the Joker flying by me, I'm like, that guy's going to kill somebody. Where's a cop when you need him? And then, like, if you see them pulled over, you're like, yeah, what goes around, come, right? We like for people to get what they deserve. Let me tell you a story real quick. I'm looking at a watch that isn't there because I'm not supposed to be checking my watch. Anyways, let's rewind. I don't know how many years ago. It doesn't matter. But we worked with tons of kids in youth ministry. Uh, we had, a, we had a temporary custody over one, and, and uh, she's in her house and um, sweet we love her she still loves us uh, but she was getting in trouble on a regular basis and um, we we had custody over her just with stuff going on in her life 
And uh, the best thing about kids is that other kids will tell on other kids. It's, it's great. And uh, we have assured our children that we have 1,000 extra eyeballs in our neighborhood and in our community. Uh, just try to do something stupid. Somebody will tell me. And um, so another kid tells us, oh, by the way, she's planning on sneaking out tonight. Someone's coming to pick her up. Like, we opened up our house, we're dealing, we're helping, like, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Adam goes full ninja. <laughs> I put on my camo, because I'm a mighty hunter. I hunt pizzas, okay? Uh, listen, I put on my camouflage. We're living in the first house across the street that's owned by Trinity. I was on staff, lived in that house, and, and there's this big row of shrubs right out in front of the house. And so I nestle in in the space between the shrubs and the house. I slip out there. Everybody goes to bed. I'm in my camo, and I, I lay down, and I'm, I'm just waiting. It's a cool night. It's probably like this. I'm a little cold, but it's feeling good. The, do, you know, air's, air's moist, it's just nice, nice, nice warmer night, and I'm hearing the bugs, and 9.30, 10 o'clock, 10.30, 11 o'clock. Man, I should be in bed, because this dirt is, is dirt. I'm not happy right now, but I'm waiting. 11 o'clock, 11.30, midnight few minutes after midnight, I hear a car pulled up into this very turnaround that drives people under the carport. I, I'm like trying not to move. I'm ninja mode. I hear the car. I hear it shut off. And I mean, the anticipation, my heart, like, I mean, I must have been coming off the, coming off the ground. I just, I'm like, I'm ready to just come up and just, I mean, I, I see the shadow. And then she was staying in, our, in the bedroom on the first floor. And so then I'm like, I, I got to wait. Like, I got to, this kid can probably run faster than me, so I, I got to, sure enough, it's a boy. Grr. Knocks on the glass. I come up, like, as fast as I can. And I'm just, I just start yelling at him. And I yell, yell up to Danielle. I'm like, Danielle! I got him. I said, get my gun. <laughs> no, get my gun. She's at the door. She looks at him. She goes, how old are you? He goes, 18. She goes, too old. And she goes, <laughs> she goes I'm calling the police. And... Uh, <laughs> So here, and this kid's like, I mean, he's probably a nice kid. But he was coming to take my girl out of my house in the middle of the night, and no, you're paying the piper. So I call the police, talk to the, he's like, but I'm just, I mean, he was, he probably wet himself. Like, I mean, He wanted mercy so bad, and I was, it wasn't happening, pal. And then we still had to have a conversation with the girl the next morning. She acted like she didn't know anything. It was the best. <laughs> there are times 
where we want the guilty to pay. Especially if somebody's hurt us or hurt somebody we care about. These are, these are natural responses. And so I want you to see that that's the type of guilt in these two men that were up on the other crosses. People were not glad, like buying popcorn to watch them die, but like we understand and it's good that they're meeting their death. We don't mind people getting what they deserve. Now listen to verse 42. Then criminal number two, he says to Jesus, he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Is there a difference between his comments to Jesus and the other criminal? It isn't so you're the Messiah. Why don't you hop on down and take us with you? This man has not asked to get off the cross. He just says, remember me when you go into your kingdom. He acknowledged that Jesus was who he said he was. Fascinating. Jesus didn't say, it's a little late, pal. I appreciate the sentiment. But, uh, gosh, you belong, you belong up there, and, and, and I, I, I just can't do it. What goes around comes around. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't say you made your bed, you made your cross, you got you to stay on it. He didn't say it. Get this. This criminal could never live a different life. This criminal would never be able to live out the life change that he would experience in that moment with Jesus. This man would never be able to help a little old lady across the street. This, this person would never be able to go to church. I'll mess with your theology. This man would never be baptized. This man would never be discipled. This man would never come to church. This man would never put a dollar in the offering. This man would never have a custom-made Bible cover with his name on it. This man would never have a Jesus fish on his Honda Accord. Jesus never said, too late, pal. Listen to verse 43. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. What? I'm sorry. I'm a preacher. I love to see people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but I also want to see them live a different life. Like, this screams of inequity. This screams not fair. What? You mean you can be on death's door and you can profess a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you can get in? That says yes. You, you mean the same heaven that I'm going to go to? Yeah. 
but it's not fair. Here's the thing. We look at that and we have a problem with it because our standard is the two criminals. And so we think, I'm better than them. Let me just say it for you. I think I'm better than them. That's what we all think. I'm better than them. They're getting what they deserve. Does anybody else watch it, like watching PD Live? Live PD, I always say it backwards. It's the best, except that like, I can't fall asleep watching it because I want to see one more canine unit bite somebody. Like, <laughs> I love watching this show. Danielle and I, our favorite ones are the ones with the dogs. Who else's favorites are with the dogs? Like, and like, can you please turn the dog loose? Turn the dog loose. And they walk up and like a dog, like a German shepherd's hanging off this guy's arm and you're just like, yeah! It, mil, it's the number one show on cable because I'm not the only psychopath that likes that. <laughs> Quit looking at me like I'm deranged. Guilty! Turn the dogs loose. Oh, that is fantastic. Those police officers are so nice. Come on out. I'm, got to t I'm going to send my duck. Come on out. I'm going to send. I raised three kids. They get one warning. That's the kind of cop I'd be. One warning, and it, I might not even say it very loud, like the dog's coming. Because <laughs> the police, like, like everybody's police brutality, shut up. We're dealing with criminals. But the dogs can bite them. right? They're guilty. And half these jokers are going to walk out of the police, police department like a few hours later. So it's like, at least they got a dog bite. Like, am I, it's just me? They're guilty. All right. Now I'm going to make us all feel bad. Go to Ephesians 2. I'm going to read verses 3 through 5 and 8 and 9. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. Is somebody glad that we don't get what we deserve? I'm really glad that I don't get what I deserve. And here's the thing. We walk around carrying this weight of guilt about everything. From playing with the dog enough to a sin we committed 20 years ago. Like, wh why are we carrying this around? We feel unworthy, we feel unlovable, we feel ashamed. And yet, we don't get what we deserve. 
I am not up here because I am good. I am up here because he is good. And he has gone to a lot of trouble to set me free, and yet I walk around in chains that aren't even locked. I visited young people over the years in juvenile detention. A couple of my friends here in this room have too. While we sponsor one of our missionaries is, is, uh, is uh, Chaplain Telfer down at the juvenile detention center. $100 of our money every month goes to make sure he's there talking with those kids. It makes a difference what you put in that red box after church. $1 to whatever, I don't care. We're, we're going to use it to build God's kingdom. But what if I was down there and I'm, and I'm talking to these 20 kids and, and, and sometimes we'll talk about what different ones are in there for and it just breaks my heart. But what if Chaplain Telfer pointed, like I said, what's that kid in here for? Oh, he just likes to, he just stays here. He's, he was let loose three weeks ago. What? Why are you staying in jail? I'll ask you guys today, why do we stay in jail? Jesus says, I forgive you. Jesus says, you're loved. Jesus says, you're valuable. Jesus says, you're good because I am good. Jesus said, the price I paid was enough. I didn't leave anything unpaid. I'm not afraid of your sins. They're covered. You have to believe in me and then accept the forgiveness that comes with that. That is it. I'm not here because I'm good. I'm here because He is good. Listen to Psalm 103, 10 through 12. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Jesus never said, you get what you deserve. And I'm so thankful for it. Three ways we can apply this to our life. Number one, and these are big, big things, but they're hard to do, and you might need to, you're going to need to walk this out in community with some other people to hold you accountable in this. Number one is to live free. Live as a free man. Live as a free woman. Why are we walking around in chains that, that Jesus unlocked? Live free. Walk in forgiveness instead of shame. Wow. You mean I can hold my head up, Lord? Oh, yes. I went to a lot of trouble so you could. Right? Number one, live free. Number two, set others free. Forgive them. If you establish a culture of accepting forgiveness, then you can begin to extend forgiveness. And I've noticed that a theme in my life when I feel bottled up and I, I, don't, I feel cold towards the Lord or I feel like I'm unworthy, I'm also treating other people that have sinned either against me or in general that I'm treating them that way too. So it, it's, this, it's this circular thing. 
I need to set other people free. When somebody wrongs me, when somebody is just wrong in general, happens a lot. I'm right so much. It's so frustrating. <laughs> Not at home, but everywhere else. I get into so much trouble up here. But there are times when you know somebody's wrong. How are you treating those people? Their, their, their problems really with the Lord if they're really out of line. If they are sinning, then, then, then he, that's his issue. And, and the sooner we can open up that hand, the sooner we can just bless them. You might not keep them a part of your life. There might be different boundaries. But you can say, go in peace. There's no chain from you to me. Set people free. Number one is live free. Number two, set people free. Number three is let people know that God wants them to be free. Now, if you're not setting people free, then you really, they're not going to listen to you about your cool God that sets people free because they're not going to believe you. But if you live free, if you're setting other people free, then the door is now open. How, how do you live the way you live? Because I... I'm not living by, I'm, I'm not good. I'm not up here because I'm good. I'm here because God is good. He's the one that set me free. Why, how'd you, why'd you let me off so easily? No, nobody would have forgiven me. Nobody else has forgiven me. I, I can't owe you any, I can't hold you because God hasn't held me back. When, when that becomes, a, when freedom becomes a, a cultural part of our life, when it becomes a part of our identity, then we will lead other people into the freedom that God offers. Can we pray this morning? With heads bowed, and just, a, a, just an attitude of I don't know how to describe it, but just a, a hope. A hope that what I've said the last half hour could possibly be true. That there's a God who has every right to hold us accountable for our sins to the point of death that He would still choose mercy. He doesn't celebrate He doesn't celebrate our capture. He doesn't celebrate our incarceration. He doesn't celebrate our punishment. The Bible tells of a God who celebrates one thing. Freedom. Freedom to the point that He would send His Son who wasn't guilty to die for both of those criminals next to him who were proven guilty of terrible crimes. And just like those two criminals, we see the choice that every person gets to make. 
and that is to believe that Jesus is who he says he is and then to ask him for mercy. And maybe you've followed Jesus a long time. Maybe you've only followed him a few weeks, a few months, but you're still carrying the shame for sin that he already forgave. You're still serving a sentence that was already commuted. The Father God would look at you today and he is looking at you and he says, would you choose today to walk in freedom instead of shame? If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? I'm praying this prayer. I, I, I pick this guilt up all the time. Is that you? Raise your hand. Cry out to this God that loves you and celebrates freedom. Father God, we cry out to you this morning. Not out of shame, God, but out of appreciation that you would save us. God, that you would take us to paradise regardless of what has happened inside of our hearts. God, I thank you that there is nothing we can do to earn it. There's no dollar amount we can put in the offering. There's no discipleship program we can, we can walk through. There's, there's no right way to dress, God. There's no, these are, it's good to be discipled. It's good to give. It's good to serve. But God, I thank you that you save us at the point of our belief in you. God, help us to walk in your freedom. Maybe today you realize that there's a chain going from you to another person. Do you see that it's holding you back too? You can't run if you're chained to somebody else. God, would you help us to forgive the people in our life? God, would we be an open source of forgiveness. God, we would, we'll have trouble processing it, God. We need your help to do that, God. But would we choose grace? Would we choose mercy? And if there's anybody in this room, you've never crossed the line of faith. You've never trusted in Jesus as being God, as, as, as being your Savior. If you've never done that and you see that you should this morning, I want to pray with you. If you've never confessed Jesus as your Savior and you see that you need him and want him to be your Savior today, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. He took the most guilty of people right next to him on the cross and said, I, I take you right now. There's nothing you can do for me, but I'm going to do everything for you right now. That's the God we love. God, I thank you for this word. God, I thank you for the series. God, I thank you that you do not want your people living by things that you never said. And God, I thank you that there is truth in you, that there's truth in your word. And God, there is identity that comes from you. And God, I thank you that we would walk forward in the things that you have said about us. We praise you and honor you, God, and we thank you that we don't get what we deserve. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we stand and, and worship together today as we close? There'll be people up front that want to talk with you and pray with you. I don't care if it's your aunt that's sick or you're something on your mind about work or you want to respond to today's message. Come and have somebody pray with you.